Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. BGN Radio. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With you, the founder, or with, excuse me, with me, founder of BGN Radio, Brandon Lee Gowton. How are you, Brandon? Jimmy, I, I really like the uh, the Mad Dog uh, intro there, right? And it's like, Is that what he does? Oh, I, I, don't, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to steal that. It was kind of something like that. It was like, uh, <laughs> like he would just make that noise and then uh, uh, do I gotta, something I got di- to ditch that one the next time. Well, it's all right. I mean, I think Francesca, you know, who is a big listener of this pod and uh, help, yes. you know, comes on our pick segment. I think he would really appreciate that. So uh, a lot to get to today. Eagles, Jets, takeaways. I don't think we need to spend too much time on that because I think our conclusions are mostly going to be uh, the Jets are awful. <laughs> so it's hard to put much stock into that. But we'll get to. You know, Carson Wentz in the offense, uh, trade targets, so on and so forth. Let's jump right in. Let's get back to the Eagles, Jets momentarily. Uh, a few things to take away from that game. First of all, the uh, the pass rush, which mm. showed up in a big way. Ten sacks. Anything? Do, I mean, do we make a lot of that? Or do we just kind of chalk it up to the Jets being... Made, well, I think they're the worst team in the NFL as presently configured with that with luke falk with luke falk yes yeah. they're not the worst team in the league with darnold but with luke falk the way that they showed up on sunday that was the worst team in the nfl yeah i mean the pass rush i think <laughs> is a big product i mean 10 sacks is a big product of the jets just being abysmal uh that offense being terrible i think where i come down on it uh let me know if this sounds right to you jimmy is that like pass rush definitely isn't as good as it was <laughs> against the jets but maybe Maybe the Jets game tells us it was a little better than it was in the first four weeks. Like, maybe you kind of split the difference a little bit there. Uh, is that fair to say at all? Yeah, I don't think you completely dismiss it because I think Brandon Graham legitimately played really well. And I think they have something. I mean, they know what he can do already rushing from the inside. But I thought Josh Sweat looked pretty good on the yeah, outside. So maybe they do have something there with And Deshaun Hall. Deshaun Hall, Deshaun Hall looked good, too. You have those two guys maybe at uh, LDE and then Barnett over at RDE. And then you have... Cox and and Brandon Graham on the inside, you know, maybe you have something there in on your obvious pass downs. So again, I don't think you completely dismiss it, and I think it's encouraging what they did. I think you look at that performance as like, hey, they looked really good in a preseason game. <laughs> like, right. I think that's kind of how I would look at that. But I want to see something against an, a legitimate NFL offense. I agree. I think that's a fair assessment. Now, what do we make of lackluster? I'll use performance by the offense. So I think people were kind of a little too like down on the yeah. offense. Like after this game, it was like like it was almost like people were mad. It's like they won thirty one <laughs> to six, which is literally right. like the score I predicted. Like I predicted that exact score. Like how did and, you? You yeah. said thirty one to six. Yeah, I said thirty one oh, right. to six. You did because I said thirty eight. 
13 and I said we were we have the same margin of victory. Right. Hey, look at you. Yeah, right. So like, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I didn't bring that up to say I know everything. I mean, that should be obvious, you know, by, you know, reading Bleeding Green Nation and listening to BGN radio. Um, I, I brought it up just because like this kind of was my expectation of the game, um, and at least in terms of how they won. I think the offense could have been better. I don't think it was amazing, obviously. I, I don't think there's no issues on the offense. Here's what kind of bothered me. I guess what people, it seemed like how people were reacting. It felt like because the Jets suck on offense, everyone also thought they sucked that bad on right. defense. Right, they, they don't. And they don't. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and this isn't like uh, revisionist history either. Like, I was saying this before the game. I think I said to you, I think the phrase I used is like, they're not going to cut through the Jets defense like a hot knife through butter. Like, it's not, it's not going to be like no resistance at all. I mean, they, they ranked 13th in DVOA. They're like middle of the pack in terms of opponent yards per play. And I think total points per game. Like they're they're not an awful defense. They're not a great defense, but they're not a, a terrible defense. So uh, I think there's definitely concerns of the offense moving forward. But like I, my takeaway from that game wasn't like, especially after the Packers game too. That was the crazy thing. It's like they go into Green Bay, they have a great offensive performance, and then like they kind of just eh, against the Jets, and it's like, well, the offense is is totally screwed now. Yeah. So I do a weekly chat on typically Wednesday, and I got one interesting question from someone. They I guess, I mean, I hadn't seen this, but I guess people were making excuses for the Eagles offense. I should say, you know, quote unquote, making excuses for the Eagles offense. I haven't seen it, but uh, they were saying that, like, you know, it was a a vanilla game plan. And maybe that's why they didn't put up points on the board. And when I, you know... In the in in the moment, like in the during the chat, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what, that kind of makes sense. Where you know they got the early lead, so they scored quickly, and then they get the uh, the interception return by Nate Gary for the touchdown. Yeah, and they're up fourteen nothing. You could kind of tell pretty quickly that the Jets' offense wasn't going to be able to move the ball or score many points. So you know, it kind of made sense not to show too much in the game. Go, I don't think they went into the game with a vanilla game plan, but once they got a, a big enough lead where they felt comfortable. And surely at that point you're not gonna sh- you're not gonna show your most creative stuff. Yeah, like they did against the Packers, right? I mean, like they were you know they were scheming things up in Green Bay. Like yes. Doug put in a really good game plan. There's no way you're convincing me like he put the same amount of effort like into that Jets game in terms of like what they displayed. Okay, so moving along on the offense, the wide receiver position. Mm. I mean, previously we kind of thought of the cornerback position being the most likely to be addressed. In uh, you know a trade scenario at the trade deadline, yeah. But wide receivers creeping up because you know Alshon Jeffrey has looked fine. He's you know, but he hasn't you know stood nine point nine yards per reception. And then you have Nelson Aguilar, who's been objectively a disaster this season. Mm. And then uh, you have Deshaun Jackson, who has been hurt since week one. You know, warmed up week two. Uh, you know, played a couple snaps and has been out since then. And I don't know when he's coming back. It, it sure looks like he's not coming back Sunday. I mean, I'd be shocked if he plays in this Vikings game. And I'd be surprised if he plays in Dallas next week. And I don't know mm. if this is one of those situations where, you know, a guy is, you know, quote unquote, day to day, but they know <laughs> full well that he's more hurt than they're letting on. Like Darren Sproles last year? Yes. When, when Sproles was like, he, he plays in week one and then he gets, and he's out until like week 10 or something and then he has the setback. Yeah. So the wide receiver picture to me, Jimmy, is it's pretty concerning. Uh, you kind of said, like, I think Alshon doesn't look 100% at all. Like, and, and again, like, you don't even see him running down the field, really, do you? Like, again, he's averaging 9.9 yards per reception. It's super low. 
Um, Deshaun is Tim McManus said he's out until like week seven through week nine, somewhere in there. But mm-hmm. then it's also like he's going to have to play through pain. So like even if he comes back, the question is like how effective is he going to be and how long is he going to stay on the field? Like is he is this going to be a deal where it's like Sproles last year, kind of like where there's a setback? Aguilar, I feel sometimes like I'm going crazy with like the Nelson Aguilar defenders that are out there because like wh- what am I missing? What am I missing? Um, with this guy, like, how could you not be super frustrated with Nelson Aguilar right now? He, I, I don't, did you see these rankings I put up on Twitter this week, Jimmy? I did not. Uh, Nelson Aguilar ranks 90th out of 94 receivers by PFF, and he ranks 63rd out of 71 receivers by Football Outsiders metrics. Now, you know, are those perfect metrics? No, they're not. But the point being, like, yeah, no, the eye test matches that. Yeah, and <laughs> we we can go ahead and uh, and accept <laughs> those rankings. Well, thank you. And he's 26 among receivers this year in terms of annual value. And like, you in terms of him. his pay, you mean? Yeah, 9.4 yeah. um, million. And those aren't outliers. Like when you, I was looking back at his rankings in the rest of the seasons, and he's like easily towards the bottom every year. Like the the one outlier year is 2017 when he was great. Uh, but right now he's just like a disaster. Like you said, even I think something that got underrated or uh, understated, maybe I should say, from the Jets game, is he fumbled against the sideline. Like, what if that ball stays in bounds and the Jets yeah. recover it? Like, that's a huge issue. He's fumbled now twice this season. Like, it's just everything is a disaster. And then the, the deep balls, too, with him. I feel like people were like, oh, Carson Wentz overthrew him. I mean, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Um, I feel like Aguilar had a chance to make a play on at least one of those deep passes, and he like he just didn't. Like, he, he's not great at tracking the ball. And, by the way, as, even assuming like Carson Wentz throws the ball perfectly – uh, if, that, if that's your argument, like, are we sure he's going to catch it? Because <laughs> because he hasn't always this season. So I think Aguilar is killing them. Um, he he makes the team worse. I feel like, which is kind of a big issue. To begin, this is more of a Carson Wentz point than it is a Nelson Aguilar point. But Wentz didn't overthrow him. He got interfered with. So yeah. like, you can't expect Carson Wentz to take a little bit off of the throw, expecting that <laughs> Aguilar is going to be interfered with as the ball is coming out of his hands. So. I'm not going to say he overthrew that pass. I do wonder if Deshaun Jackson tracks that ball and makes that play. Yeah. Regardless of getting a little bit of contact from the defensive back. Right. That's that's you, my argument. And that's like, the I, difference between a guy who is a legitimate big league receiver and one who has not been that so far this year. He has one reception for 20 yards in his last 117 offensive snaps. Ooh. And, you know, he's talented. Like, he... he he has talent, but it's yes. just infuriating the mental mistakes that he makes, whether it be fumbling, as you mentioned, or just a lack of concentration catching the ball. Like he can obviously, you know, he can anyone can make the catch that he dropped in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was just sitting there on a platter for him. But why aren't you catching that? Yeah. Like any, anyone can catch that. The ball's just sitting there. It's sitting right there for him. You can put your arms out and not move them, and the ball might land on them and stick. So frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I agree that he he has been really bad this year, and, and probably my biggest disappointment of the season so far. I think that's fair, and just obviously too, like with like how much they need him. You know what I mean? It's like Deshaun is out. Alshon has been hurt. Like they need Nelson to step up. It's not like a situation where you know they're all good at receiver, and it just happens that like Aguilar is not playing well in that mix, but they're kind of fine outside of that. No, like they need him most, and he is like failing this team in a huge way. It doesn't help that JJ hasn't been good either, and then that's, that's bad. <laughs> and then Mac, I mean, he's he's been fine. I guess he is he, what he is. He, he is what he is. Is the is the right way to put it? Yes. 
Can we talk about how bad of a pick J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was, by the way? That's killing this <laughs> team, too. Please do. <laughs> yeah, like, so when they picked him, I didn't get it. Because he's basically giving you the same thing as Alshon Jeffrey. And then, you know, I, I quickly realized, oh, okay, well, I can make sense of this because Jeffrey's cap number is going to be like $16 million and he'll be pretty easy to cut in terms of, you know, you don't have a lot of pain in terms of uh, a cap hit if you if you trade or cut him or whatever. So for I thought, okay, well, they don't like the production that they're getting out of him for what they're paying him. He's probably not going to be around much longer if if JJ shows anything at all. So it's like, okay, all right, I can kind of get that. But then they re-upped Jeffrey. <laughs> they gave him, Like before they, week one, right? Yes, they restructured his contract, and they made it so that, uh, you know, they, they, they gave him a signing bonus up front and they basically, they basically converted his um, his salary into a signing bonus so they can kind of distribute that over the course of his contract. But what that does is it it doesn't allow you to, to cut the player anymore because it's a big cap hit if you cut him or trade him in the next couple of years. So he's going to be on the roster for the next few years. And after they did that, it's like, okay, well, I don't get where J.J. fits in now. Even if he were producing. Uh, I think it's crazy how, again, like you spent a second round pick on a wide receiver and like you can't get anything. They couldn't get anything out of him. Like yeah. he, when he was playing, you know, when Deshaun and Alshon are both hurt, like he was playing a ton of snaps and he gave them nothing. Nothing. Like, nothing at all. And uh, he, that, he, dropped, he cost you a game. He did. He cost them a game. And when you look around the league, you know, the context of like other receivers who are having success, we've brought this up before, but you look at like Terry McLaurin, who's been hurt recently, but still like when he's been healthy, he's been great. And he fits what the Eagles need in terms of a skill set, like a guy who's fast, a burner. Um, like, like JJ not is not that you know, he's not that guy. By and the way, it's fine if you have a couple, if you have a few burners on your team, that's good. Right. Like, there's yeah. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have a bunch of guys that are that you know their main skill set is winning 50-50 balls, <sighs> it, 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 like that's that's a very frustrating offense to watch. And we saw it last year. That was a huge problem with this team last year. Is they were so slow <laughs> in plotting, and like, yes. and that's kind of where they're back at now. It's so infuriating to watch. And just in terms of like today's uh, the context of today's NFL, where you're saying like the Chiefs are these teams, yeah, Sammy like, Watkins just, and yeah, Ty- like Tyreek Hill, and then uh, Nicole Hardman. They, they they're loaded with speed guys, and their offense is awesome. And big plays. And meanwhile, the Eagles are like pulling teeth, like to to score points and like get yards. Like it's it's so <laughs> infuriating to watch like it and it's just it's like a bad brand of football i don't know why it, and it's weird because like they wanted hollywood right or at least there was like talk that they wanted hollywood so you, like you you thought like okay long-term speed receiver might be on their mind even though they were acquired to sean and it just it wasn't and now and now they're here so what can they do i guess well I mean, I'm, fi- I'm fine with uh the dillard pick i mean that's a obviously a premium position and, yes and they, they didn't pay much to move up to go get him i'm fine with with what they did there but Same. when you look at the receivers that they passed on to take, see, I don't think McLaren's a great example. He's obviously been a lot better than than him so far. But mm-hmm. you were never going to take that guy in the second round. Like if they okay. drafted that guy in the second round with the college numbers that he put up, like everyone would have been like, "What the hell, really? They drafted that guy?" Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's easy like, to say. What about like DK Metcalf? Mm, yeah. What about, why wouldn't you take him? I don't I wonder, know. I wonder what was wrong with him in terms of like his interviewing or his character things that they might have found, but. I mean, that guy is clearly a much more talented player on the field. And just in terms of profile, too. I mean, he's a freak. He's averaging over 22 yards per catch. Yeah. And that's not like on some small number of catches. Like, he's he's got like close to 300 yards, I believe. He's making plays and JJ's doing nothing. Nice kid. 
You know, like I like them, but that was so condescending. Help, help out the team in some way, man. Yeah, he sucks. Nice guy, though. (laughs) So, what can they do to fix it, Jimmy? What can they do? Is there anything they can do to fix it? We again, we were looking at cornerbacks previously that they could maybe trade for. You know, maybe the position that is, I don't know, that makes more sense to trade for the deadline is receiver. Yeah, I mean, where, where where would you rank that? See, like a week ago, I just said corner, one, defensive tackle, two, and everything else, a big drop-off from there. And again, all this is predicated on on how long Deshaun is actually going to be out. If he's going to be back and he's going to be healthy and he can play, then all this all this conversation is moot. But if he's not, then you got to have a guy who can stretch the defense and help out Carson Wentz and those short to intermediate zones where Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard and right on the line, like all those guys can operate. But if they don't have that speed element, they're screwed. The offense is just going to, like you said, it's just a plodding slow offense. I think it's easy. It has to be wide receiver. Like, you think maxim- it's one? It's maximize Carson Wentz. That's what it's all about. Like yeah. how good was Carson Wentz in week one when he had Deshaun Jackson? He was great. I mean, obviously they got off to the slow start, but then even still, like he posted killer numbers that day because he had a real deep threat. And like, I I think we kind of, we've talked about it before, Jimmy, where like this defense, I feel like, like, I don't have expectations of them to carry the team. Like, ultimately, the offense, I feel like, should need to carry the defense. The defense isn't going to be this lockdown unit. Like, I right. think what you want out of the defense, ideally, realistically, is they can make some big plays. And if they can do that, and that's exactly what they did in the Packers game. Like, they got torched, yeah. But if they can make big plays and also... In the, in the Atlanta game, too. Yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. They had three turnovers in that game. And if they can play well in the red zone, which we know they can, like they've been a good red zone defense under Jim Schwartz for years now, yes. like that's fine enough. But the offense needs to be able to put up points, and they can't. <laughs> they don't have, I feel like, a, a speed threat. So to me, that's easily number one. So let's look at the teams that are going to be sellers. All, like So already I would kind of pinpoint uh, the Dolphins, who have already traded two guys. Uh, the Bengals are right behind them in terms of worst team in the league. Washington isn't doesn't have anyone that's going to help you, and they're not, they're probably not going to trade with you anyway. Uh, Cardinals, Jets, Broncos—they'd be my like my six pack of teams that already are clearly going to be sell- sellers. And then after that, the teams that have I guess only one win—excuse uh, me, only one win—would be the Falcons and the Steelers. And I don't think either of those two teams are going to trade the receivers that they have. They're, they're not—they're not going to be a give up franchise. Like they're, they probably think they're good enough to compete next year. So they're not going to start trading away assets like crazy. Uh, so it's pretty I, much just those first six teams that I mentioned. I would throw the Giants in there because you can you can um, get Golden Tate for a third round pick, and that would be <laughs> a really good move by Howie. Rizzi. That is a that is a fair point. Uh, so you're, who, you're, I guess you're looking at like what Devontae Parker? Yeah, Miami. That makes sense. And then you have uh, Ro- Robbie Anderson. Yes, you can. You can. But I guess Joe Douglas wouldn't do that. Like, are you well, really I don't taking... know. Would he? Be, because so like last year the Eagles tried to get him, and they yeah. they were willing to give up a three, as far as I understand. But the Jets wanted a two, and the Eagles weren't going to do that, mm-hmm. nor should they have. I'm curious who liked him. If it was Joe Douglas, then Joe Douglas isn't going to give him up. If it was Howie, then, you know, maybe they have that conversation again. Yeah, I just feel like, I guess... And he hasn't done anything this year. I mean, he hasn't been helped by that offense that he's in. Yeah. But 
you know, Robbie Anderson really isn't that. I, I wonder where his numbers are. They can't. They can't possibly be. He. I remember looking up into last week. He had only like two receptions of twenty yards or more. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah. Again, he's working with Darnold and then uh, Simeon and then Luke Falk. He's got eleven catches for one hundred and thirty-one yards. Through, yeah, through four games. So get him on the team. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah. he's a, he's a guy who can at least stretch the defense, even if he's not making plays for you down the field. Like uh-huh. if you're, he at least keeps defenses honest, and that's all you need. Yeah, I think teams would respect that. Yeah, I don't think they do AJ Green. No, um, he's been hurt anyway. There has to be someone out there, and more teams will fall off. How about the breaking news report? Whoa, what's this? That, that the Eagles were looking into Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> no way. Where's this from? <laughs> Must be legit. <laughs> This made the waves a little bit in, uh, on Eagles Twitter. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy who played for University of Miami, the U. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Mullen. And he said the Eagles were looking. I, I lost the tweet here. Now I can't find it. You want me to read it to me? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. I have it here uh, for us. This is really something. So it's Dan Cilio, former NFL player i suppose or was he in the nfl too he played he played 10 games in the nfl in 1987 it doesn't show any stats here for him i don't even know what position he was number 93 so i guess he was a defensive lineman you want me to read this verbatim (laughs) Uh, please please do at eagles fans dot 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 i don't spread rumors dot dot especially to a team that my boy at kane's football and my running mate jerome brown played for dot 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 the Eagles have called on the avail of hashtag OBJ space dot dot dot. So of you <laughs> at Eagles fans, don't ever disrespect Jerome Brown and my love for Philly with a picture of Jerome Brown and him. All right. Is, is, uh, are we to take that to mean that if you don't believe his report that you're disrespecting Jer- the, the, yeah. the memory of Jerome Brown? You wanted Jerome Brown to die. Uh, if you don't believe in his report. I think that's what he's saying to us. I think so, too. So somebody direct messaged that to me, and I and I looked at it, and, you know, I immediately identified it as garbage. <laughs> but, like, I did look – the guy has a check mark. Yeah. This is Dan Cilio. So I, well, did, I, I did at least look – I did at least, you know, look further at his profile. He had, like, five teams, you know, trying to trade for Eli Manning. <laughs> <laughs> like he had a he had a series of, of tweets of like uh, uh, reports that of you know this team's looking into this player. He has the Patriots looking into Mike Evans. Yeah, the, the one that's great here is it says spoke to at Atlanta Falcons president Rich McKay tonight. <laughs> Changes coming in Atlanta. Now he posted that one at two thirty four a.m. <laughs> early in the early in the early hours this morning. Well, you said, and uh, we we talked briefly before we we started the podcast here. What was the other one about Doug? Yeah, the follow up to the Eagles thing was all you at Eagles fans. My source is Doug Peterson, <laughs> with, spelled with a T, not a D. Uh, dot dot. Know him since the WFL. That's terrible journalism, by the way. You never give up. You yeah, what never is say that? Who your sources, but that's not even believable. Like, so, <laughs> so how's that I even look like? For a long time, but I don't know how to spell his name. <laughs> but like, how's that even look like? If if like, is he joking? Is he telling? Like, is he? I know he's obviously he can't be telling the truth, but like, is I, that's amazing to me? Is he just really trying to like tell us that Doug Peterson's like, hey, you know what, Dan? Uh, we're looking into OBJ. <laughs> 
right. Feel free to tell whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Dan. <laughs> What's going on, man? And, and as if, like, Doug would be privy to that either. Like, you know, like, obviously that's Howie doing all that. Like, Doug wouldn't even, like, be. Hey, Dan, we're looking at OBJ. R.I.P. Jerome. Oh, that's so good. All right, sure. Let's, let's Speaking maybe, of Doug. Let's, uh, let's, let's, take a, let's take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll come back. Be back after this. Back after this. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. And we're back. I have a question for you, Jimmy. Yes. What do you make of Doug Peterson's comments? Speaking of Doug, uh, we're just on the topic of Doug Peterson. Uh, what do you make of his comments about Jordan Howard being the lead running back? He should. <laughs> I think that's the uh, right direction to go. But I am I am a little conflicted on it, though. I think that he Jordan you know Jordan Howard gives you the best chance to win right now. Mm-hmm. But there are things that that Miles Sanders does better than him right now. First of all, I'm shocked at how well Sanders is playing in pass protection. And against this Vikings defense specifically coming up that has a good pass rush and does kind of show these exotic blitzes from time to time, I actually do feel more comfortable with him back there than I would a guy like Jordan Howard. And also he has a number of, you know, uh, big receptions down the field. So um, that was another concern of his coming out of college. There's, you know, two, two of three concerns of his coming out of college have not surfaced in the NFL. You know, pass protection, catching the ball in the backfield, and then the third one has mm-hmm. were the fumbling. So the one area where I thought there wouldn't be any issues, like where I thought he'd just step into the NFL and he'd be fine right away, would be running the football. And that's kind of been the the big drawback from him for him so far. And you know, he's dancing, you know, behind the backfield and he's trying to bounce a little you know, trying to bounce things outside. He's not hitting the hole the same way that Jordan Howard is. And I think for the Eagles purposes, if the hole is there and the offensive line is opening up holes. I think you just want a running back right now that's going to take it. And that's what Jordan Howard's doing. So as a runner, I do think it's correct for the Eagles to go in that direction. At the same time, at some point, they're going to need Miles Sanders to produce. So I don't want to you know, have him rotting on the sideline. You want to get him in and continue to allow him to sort of get a feel for the NFL and allow him to improve so he can help you during the stretch run. Yeah, I almost don't like make a lot of that comment as much as was being made of it. Like Okay. Just because I look back to the Jets game and Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard literally played the exact same amount of snaps and they had the exact amount of total touches if you add in receptions into addition to the carries. I think basically Doug is listening to what I had said to you, Jimmy, 
on the podcast last week, and I had said, I think Howard should be leading this team in carries per game. Like, it shouldn't be where it was when it was, like, the first couple of weeks of the season, like, and, like, Howard only got, like, four or seven right, or whatever right, it was. Right. Like, that should clearly not be the case. I think Howard should finish the game um, with probably the most carries, uh, if not a tie, uh, at the very least. I think that's kind of where it is. I don't think we're going to see a drastic change going forward. I think it's just going to be more of what we already saw, like, against the Jets and maybe kind of even the Packers, too. Um, yeah, so I don't, I just, I think people kind of see that and they're like, oh, Jordan Howard's the lead back now. They're going to give him the ball 20 times a game. Like that's, I don't, that's not going to happen. I don't and think. Then, and then fourth quarter, like you want, you want him running the ball more than Sanders, obviously, because A, the ball security. And then B, again, he's just going to give, he's going to get what you, what you give him. So yeah. he's more of your closer than, than Sanders is. And if you're behind in those games, you're not going to be running the ball much anyway. Right, <laughs> you know, so in the fourth, if you're behind in the fourth quarter, that is, you're not going to be running, the, you're not going to be running the ball much. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I would agree that uh, uh, for you fantasy football players, I'd I'd expect to see a lot more Howard carrying the football anyway than Sanders. And he's going to get all the goal line work too, anyway, like yes. he has been. So there's your touchdowns. Uh, another thing with the running back situation is that Darren Sproles is hurt. Who could have seen this coming, Jimmy? That was another weird moment in the uh, Doug presser today, too. Why is that? Because he just wouldn't ask who the punt returner, he wouldn't answer who the punt returner is. Well, he said it was Dave Zangiero. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so we- like just answer the question, unless he does, unless he just doesn't know. Well, we kind of said it earlier this week. I thought he kind of had mentioned, or he kind of been asked about um, Aguilar and Corey, and yeah. he he said, uh, "I wouldn't trust either of those guys." Well, so he, maybe, maybe I that's think what this the answer is. is. He just doesn't know. I think the Eagles need to bring back J.R. Reed, Jimmy, because I mean, obviously, <laughs> wasn't he more of a kick returner than a punt returner, though? Wasn't it him though? Before, or I guess I'm thinking of Reno Mahi, but it was before like that Greg Lewis game. Um, remember that when the Eagles were playing the Packers? I feel like in week yeah, one, yeah, right. They fumbled and they lost the yeah. game because of that. Yeah, like and that so that was a big punt. deal because like everyone was like, oh, it's not that big a deal. They cut their punt returner and then <laughs> it cost them immediately, like in in week one. I think I think that's an underrated concern. This week, because like Corey, I know that was kind of a weird play because he thought uh, the ball last week uh, hit Ryan Lewis's foot, but like he was bad at it last year. Remember that when when Corey was returning against the Colts, I think he like muffed two of the the punts he, he returned. Yeah, like, and you don't have Deshaun back there either, even just as a guy that that you know will catch the punt. Right, and then Aguilar is not like a guy who regularly does that, and he's has like and yeah, I, I would not trust Aguilar to do anything that requires you know a simple task he's fumbled twice and he's dropped the ball too many times like i'm okay so- <laughs> with i'm okay with throwing at throwing aguilar in a, in a situation where i'm losing and you know maybe his talent takes over for a minute but in any situation where i'm just expecting him to do the easy thing i, I prefer to, i prefer to put somebody else back there so they actually worked out a free agent this week, undrafted rookie free agent, Penny Hart, who has return experience. He's like a, you know, a jitterbug kind of player, Sproles mold kind of player. They also have uh, Marcus Green, who used to be on the Falcons, uh, I think sixth round pick this year on mm-hmm. the practice squad. I almost wonder if they do something there, if they make a move there, maybe not yet. I don't think they would elevate Boston Scott. Like Boston Scott did not look good as a punt returner. No. And uh-huh. he, he doesn't have experience doing it. He did it like... Not at all in college, and he he's barely done it. So I don't think that's an option. No, no, at no all. not at all, not at all, for sure. So I think that's kind of an issue. I think that's maybe it won't be an issue at all. But like, I don't. It makes me a little bit nervous. I guess the next two games are in domes, so in theory, it should be easy to field punts there. Okay, good point. Well, but... the lights in his eyes, like it, you know, <laughs> like it was when he Nelson Aguilar dropped a game-winning touchdown pass. But yeah, I don't know. Can we can we also maybe just touch on? 
it was dumb to bring Darren Sproles back at all. Like, is this not the what the ultimate? Uh, is this not what was going to happen with him yeah. for sure all along anyway? Where he was going to get hurt and he's going to he's probably going to be out for a long time. Week to week, as Doug said. Yeah. I mean, they haven't put him on IR, so it's presumably they they think he's going to be back in sooner than eight weeks, I guess. But I'm guessing it's going to be at least like at least three. I'm at the very least, I would think something so the around argu- there. The, the argument for him when they signed him was that well, he's better than Wendell Smallwood, and yeah, sure, of course he is. But he's also hurt all the time, and then when you and he doesn't give you much anyway. And Doug Peterson had a tendency to over rely on him at times in the regular offense. He hasn't really done that this year. He did that week one a little bit, mm-hmm. but for the most part, he hasn't relied on him. It's mostly been Howard and and uh, Sanders. But at some point, they do put him in a situation where they are relying on him for some purpose. And in this case, it's being a punt returner. And now he's out. He's and, out. And, and like we mentioned already, they don't have any. They don't have any answers after him. Yeah, especially any good answers anyway. Especially with Deshaun out, and that's like a double whammy there with uh, Deshaun being out, not just hurting the offense, but also not being around to, to be on special teams with Darren Sproles not playing. He did move into fifth place in uh, all time. He did. <laughs> Which is, is good for all him. All purpose yard. Yeah. So and congratulations. But I, I like the legacy of Darren Sproles. Like, I oh, think for sure. He, he's such like a unique. I don't, I don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer, but I feel like he's I don't such either. But he's such a unique player that, like, he he definitely holds like a, a special place in NFL history. Like, there's there's probably not going to be another Darren Sproles. Like, he's so unique. I think Brian Mitchell was a better returner, and he didn't get in. Yeah, and Sproles' con- uh, contributions to offenses over his career are maybe a little bit overstated. Like, he was he was he was very good for a few years, but if you look at the longevity of his career, it's not really that impressive. Like he never, he actually never had more than a hundred carries in any one season, mm-hmm. which makes sense for the size that he is. But even catching the football, there are only a few seasons where he was a player that where where you consider him like a, a legitimate like big time weapon in the offense. So, are there any more kind of like long term, big picture things that you're you're taking away or thinking about with the team right now? Because I have one. If you don't, no, go right ahead. Uh, just kind of the, we're going to get into the Vikings game a little bit here, but just kind of looking at the, the stretch coming up, you know, the, the three road games in a row, because obviously the Phillies have done well this season and they're playing in the playoffs right now. And that's justifying why the NFL scheduled, uh, these games out, you know, just yes, a, a great they th- season. Three straight road games. Yeah. At Minnesota, obviously this week at the Cowboys next week and at the Bills, uh, in week eight, I believe. So what are you thinking, Jimmy, for this stretch? Like when you're looking at this stretch, and again, we'll get into the Vikings matchup more specifically here moving yeah. forward at, right after this. But like, what do you think they need to go like realistically? I mean, obviously. I think you got to win two of these. And it's not only this stretch, but the three games after that when they return home are also very difficult. Let me just pull up their schedules. Yeah, so sure it's I like it's, it's here, Bears but... right after the in week nine after the Buffalo game. And then they have a, a week. They have a bye, and then they come back and they play the Seahawks and the Patriots in some order, right? Yeah, it goes Bears it's at home. Patriots before Seahawks. Bears at home, bye. Patriots at home, Seahawks at home. Yeah, and then it gets, and then after that, so they the that's the six game stretch. These three games on the road: uh-huh. Vikings, Cowboys, Bills, and then those three home games are all difficult games for varying reasons. The Bears have that. I mean, the Bears have problems of their own, big time offensively. But there's no question their defense is awesome. Yeah, it's legit. The Patriots are who they are. And then the Seahawks are a team that the Eagles just have never been able to solve. 
And Russell Wilson is playing like MVP. He, yes. <laughs> he's yes. He's he's okay. And then uh after that six game stretch, it gets really easy. So you get mm-hmm. the Dolphins, you get the Giants, you get Washington, and then you have what will probably be a huge game at home against the Cowboys, and then you you know, you finish it up on the road against the Giants. So, you know, four of those last five games, I wouldn't call them gimmies necessarily. I think the Giants will pose some kind of challenge for them, but Certainly the Dolphins and Washington games are, I mean, you got to, you got to pretty much pencil in wins there, right? Yeah. Barring, you know, some kind of catastrophic list of injuries that they have along the way. Yeah. Which isn't out of the question. And even then, they, they still have a chance. It's not like you're out of the game. Um, but to, so, so to answer your question, the, the three road games upcoming, I think you got to win two of those. Do you, have what, a do you specific- what do you make of the Bills, by the way? Uh, I think they're well. Their defense is legit. Like it's really, it's good. It's a really good. It's definitely a good defense. Like that is something I believe going into the season, and especially playing at home too. I think that's a tough place to play. Like I don't think that's a neat. Those fans are like, if not the Bills crazier mafia. than Eagles fans, like equally as crazy. Somehow they're lovable, but the Eagles fans are scumbags. Well, I mean, you know, they didn't throw <laughs> snowballs at Santa, obviously. Right. By the way, how was that was that was uh, throwing snowballs at Santa? Not funny. Oh, it, it's a crime, actually. It's it's you know it's throwing snowballs at Santa number one, and then it's um, disrespecting Jerome Brown number two. Those are oh, the that's two true. Worst that's that's, 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 a, that's a fair point for sure. Uh, so I I think when I size up this stretch here, I mean they have to beat Dallas. I think that's that's like a, a must, right? Like they have oh, yeah, to. Yeah, they yeah. have to. That is a must win. Like they have to beat the Cowboys. They have to. The the Buffalo game, like I don't, it's an AFC team. Like who cares, right? Like that doesn't account for your AF. Your, it doesn't count for your your standings in terms of like NFC uh, games or obviously division. So if they, especially if they win these next two, like who cares? Honestly, I feel like if they lose to Buffalo, I mean, obviously you want to win, but like it's not the end of the world. Um, that I think is that, an interesting game. I mean, they're four and one, and the one loss they have, they hung in there. I mean, their defense kept them in that game all yeah. day. And even Patriots, and yeah, and then even losing Josh Allen, they still had a chance a little bit. Well, they did and they didn't. They did and they didn't. They had a chance in theory, but once Matt Barkley stepped on the field, it was like, okay, well, (laughs) that's the end of that. Yeah, so it's 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 a tough stretch for sure. I think I feel like they can go two and one. I don't think that's out of the question. I think three and zero would be pretty tough. It's just you see the splits too on those like those third games, right? On that on the road trip, like teams like never I feel like win those games. Like when it's your third game on the road, um, in a Eagles row. Had that recently? When did they? Ha- what year did they have that? Uh, was it two thousand sixteen? And I think they because their schedule was awful that year. Like they had the week four bye. Yeah, they, they played it like a billion teams coming off of their other like their opponents had like a billion buys before playing them. Like it was like terrible. <laughs> it was, and there was like another team that came off Thursday night football to play the Eagles. Yeah, that was, that was like a total. Schedule. They did not have three straight road games that year. Was it 2017? I don't know. Maybe I don't it was think 25th. so. Maybe it was the last. Year. Oh yeah, it was. No, it was. It was, and they won. So they 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 were in Seattle, and then they just stayed out there. Oh, because okay. they played uh, the Rams the next week. And then, and then the third the game of that stretch was yes was at was at the Giants. That's that's why I didn't remember. And they won it that game. It wasn't really a road game in the sense of like there was a bunch of Eagles fans <laughs> right, there and the right. Giants they just were took done. A bus up there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's you're right. It's a bus that. ride as opposed to packing up a you know a plane, which is which makes a difference. So we'll take a break here and we'll get back into some Eagles versus Vikings matchups. We will be you, you give it to me, Jimmy. Back after this. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, 
and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back here on BGN Radio, episode 84. The Eagles play the Vikings this week. The Eagles, 3-2. and two. The Vikings, 3-2. and two. Kind of a big game, right? Three-point underdogs. Three-point underdogs on the road in U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Wait, what? Yeah. Breaking huh. news. That's a great That's a great stadium, by the way. Yeah, that was really cool being there. So what yeah, do you think, you, Jimmy? You and I uh, witnessed uh, hammered Brian Westbrook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we, we, we might have gone a little too we, we, a little off the rails on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great stadium. I would rank that stadium third of the ones that I've been wow. to so far. It was really nice, though. Like, uh, I would go Cowboys one, and then the one that I was just at uh, in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz, that was really nice, too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this U.S. Bank Stadium was... was well, it was that all those are those might be the three best. I think uh, the one in San Francisco is supposed to be pretty nice. Levi's. Uh, so you did the matchups calm as you always do on Philly Voice, Jimmy. So yes. give me. Let's start with the Eagles defense. Well, I will actually say something. I have something I want to say because I feel like this game. I feel like there's a certain thing to this game that, and it's probably going to be. It is going to be. I will say the title of this BGN Radio episode. I feel like the Eagles defense versus the Vikings offense is the Kirk Cousins, Kirk Coupons, whatever you want to call them, the Kirk Cousins litmus test. Wait, and did you say Kirk or Kurt? I said Kirk. Kirk? Kurt. Kurt? Or Kirk? Because his name uh, is Kurt. It's Kurt. K-U-R-T. Yeah, it, oh, That's sorry, his name. Yeah. It's Kirk Cousins. The, the Kurt Cousins litmus test. Uh, and do you know why I say that, Jimmy? Do you know why I say it is a litmus test? I do not. Kurt Cousins is 4-24 in 24 in 28 games in his career against teams that finished the season with at least nine uh, wins. Oh, okay. He doesn't beat good teams. Ergo, uh, if the Eagles beat Kirk Cousins, <laughs> then they're a good team. But if they don't, they're a bad team. I guess the Eagles are one of those wins that he has, though, because they finished yes. last year with a winning record. That is true. So there goes your litmus. I just totally screwed that up. No, I mean, it's a different <laughs> year, though. It's It's a different year. Um, and and if he's probably been worse this year, right? He's he's been worse this year than he has last year. He usually plays pretty well against the Eagles. He does, but he was he was big time for the Eagles last year when the Eagles really needed him in Week 17 against yes. the Bears. I mean, he just rolled over and died in that game. That's what he always does. That's my point with this record thing. Like he 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 comes up small in the biggest moments consistently. So that's also what I'm wondering about this week. Like in some ways. 
like this is a big game to like an important game for two NFC teams, but at the same time, like it doesn't mean everything until maybe week six. So I, I just wonder. I wonder what you get. I wonder what you see from Kirk Cousins this week. And also, are, are the Vikings going to be dumb and not even have him throw against this secondary? Like, are, are they just going to be stupid and try to like pound the ball into this Eagles run defense? Right. It's funny we're making fun of him, but at the same time, like. He's their answer. <laughs> like, yeah. Not he, not him necessarily, but their passing game is the answer against this Eagles team because the Eagles are awesome stopping the run. I mean, what they've done against number one running back so far this year is pretty incredible. Like they're averaging two point two point zero yards per carry. They've shut down everyone, and they face like some decent backs. Like Le'Veon Bell is good back. I mean, obviously that that offense wasn't going to do anything against uh, against anyone really with the third quarterback, so they could key on the run. Mm-hmm. But you know. They, uh, I think Aaron Jones showed against yeah. Dallas how good he is. Did you watch that game? Yes. That guy can play. The game that the Cowboys lost? Yeah, I watched that Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy can play. And we didn't really see it against the Eagles because they he, he didn't get any room to run. And we, people we were really... Give him a little really, space. And that guy, that guy's really good. People were rightfully killing LaFleur for, like, continuing to run with him in, yes. in, against the Eagles. And rightfully so, but he just didn't have any room to run. But that yeah. that guy that guy is really good. Yeah, he is. Dalvin Cook is really good. Very, very good. I mean, he's really good. And then the other guy that they drafted this year in the third round, Alexander Madison, who's more of like a he's more of like a downhill type runner. He's very good. Did you watch any uh, other games? I didn't see him specifically, but his his numbers are great. Yeah, he's just uh, get it and go. He's and averaging he, what over like is like a five point nine per carry or something. He's like 220, 225 pounds, so he's a nice compliment. They don't he, like he doesn't look that big, just watching him. But he's got some weight behind him, and he just he's a he's a nice compliment to Cook. Cause Cook's kind of like a slippery type runner, whereas they give it to Madison, he just goes. I mean the the difference in the number of carries. I mean Cook is dominating them. I think Madison only has like thirty four carries so far through five games so he's getting you know fewer than 10 carries a game but uh i mean their running game is impressive in in terms of the running backs are very good like in the past they really wanted to run the ball but you know who did they have latavius murray Mm -hmm. so like having added cook and and madison and then they have two other guys that have high yards per carry but they don't really have that many carries so i don't know jim schwartz mentioned those two guys too like amir abdullah and I don't think you remember the fourth guy's name, and I can't either. But he, he cited their yards per carry numbers. But they have, like, I think they have like nine carries combined. So I don't know why you mentioned them. But um, the running game is impressive. But they should just totally get away from that this week against the Eagles secondary that is a banged up, b uh, facing two receivers and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen who are both very good, and c those receivers you know played really well against the Eagles last year. Thielen yeah. ate the Eagles up last year. I think it was mostly against Mills, if I recall. Yes. And I think he beat Darby for a touchdown. Yes. But he was killing them last year. And that was probably Cousins' best game of the year last year. So, again, mm-hmm. I, they're they're crazy if they if they just try to hammer the run. Yeah, it would be a gift to the Eagles if they, if they do that. Um, and the Eagles will have, potentially, seemingly, Sidney Jones back at corner this week. So, obviously, the secondary is fixed now. And they're going to um, attack him, by the way. Oh, as they, they should. should. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because he was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. Um, Razul Douglas, who I feel like has been playing pretty well um, on the other side. I feel like he's been helped out by 
he's been the best corner and there's been weaker corners for other teams to pick on. But even still, I mean, at least he's not the corner to pick on. And then Orlando Skandrick didn't practice, I guess, just due to illness. I hope I'm assuming he'll be fine for Sunday in the slot. Obviously played great in the slot against the Jets, which is, you know. To be determined. I mean, he was good when he blitzed. So, like, we haven't really seen him in coverage yet. He locked down Jamison Crowder. He didn't let him do anything. Okay, but again. I know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so we'll see on that one. And then Craig James would be your top backup, really, I guess, at any spot there, kind of. So that kind of shows you where they're at still, corner-wise. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. If the Vikings are not passing all day, then they're dumb. And I think there's a chance they would be dumb. I think there's a chance they are going to run too much. Um, cause that's what Zimmer wants to do, right? That's why he fired Flip. He was like, he's not running enough. Uh, and Zimmer seems pretty antiquated and would kind of be, uh, want to do that. And another thing I think that kind of might go against the Vikings passing a lot. And I think you highlighted this as well in your matchup column. I think you even asked, uh, Jim Schwartz about it, Jimmy, is the Vikings offensive line yes. is not so great. I was looking at some of the numbers today, um, both from pro football focus and football outsiders, and basically um, any kind of metric you use to look at the Vikings offensive line. They're they're like, um, PFF has them 15th in run blocking and 31st in pass blocking. Football outsiders has that, them. That, that, that makes absolute sense. Has them 6th uh, in run blocking and 24th in pass blocking. So, okay. Not the best pass protecting unit there. So what I did was I went to, uh, by the way, have you gone on Game Pass and used their search feature? No. It's awesome. So like you can just look, you can just type in, uh, you know, Vikings sacks weeks one through five, and it'll pull up all the sacks that they had and gave up. So I just watched all the sacks that they gave up so far this year. And the interior of their offensive line stinks. <laughs> is the, is the uh, takeaway that I that I that I had from from watching the sacks that they gave up, and um, I think that maybe plays in the Eagles' hands. So the way that I let me just take let me just take a step back here. The way that I view this matchup is there are two premier like strength on strength matchups. That's the Vikings rushing attack against the Eagles rushing defense. We already covered that. Right. The Vikings edge rushers in Everson Griffin and uh, Daniel Hunter against Lane Johnson and Jason Peters. Again, that's strength on strength. Mm-hmm. The two, then there are two matchups where that heavily favor the Vikings in one circumstance. And we already covered that the receivers against the Eagles corners. And then there's the Eagles in theory, interior defensive line against their interior offensive line. And if Fletcher Cox is anything at all like the Fletcher Cox of old, he should have a big game against these stiffs on the inside. So, like, they used a a first-round pick, I think, 18th overall? 19th. 19th on Garrett uh, Bradbury? Yes. Stinks. (laughs) Which kind of, like, undersized, right? Undersized center. Yeah, he's not good. (laughs) It's like he's Maybe he will be good at some point. He's not good right now. It seems like he's kind of like Jason Kelsey, like in theory, like undersized center, athletic, but clearly not actually good right now. Pat Elfline, another guy they used a relatively high draft pick on recently. I'd have to look that up where he actually went. Third round pick, I think. He stinks. And then their right guard, I think his name is Josh Klein. Wasn't that the guy Uh, who was almost an Eagles player one time? Remember, like, the Patriots traded, like, Eric Rowe and Josh Klein, but then, like, he got waived. 
because uh, like of an injury, and, or he, he actually wasn't included in the trade anyway. That's just that an aside. He, he he actually didn't practice today. He uh, missed practice with a foot injury. Well, they're better off because he stinks too. Okay. <laughs> so if they can uh, if they can get Matt, if they can get you know the Vikings into long down and distances, and they can uh, you know the aforementioned uh, moving Brandon Graham inside to face. Uh, to get one-on-one matches against their right guard and have Fletcher Cox on the inside there as well. That is that is a spot where they can win. Also, by the way, Dalvin Cook is, for as good as he is as a runner and even as a receiver, he's horrible in pass protection. Yeah. Horrible. And I posted one, you know, gif of him just getting lit up by Nick Kwiatkowski of the Bears. But it, it showed up, like, multiple times where he just, he just, I don't know if he can't block or if, it's he doesn't want to. It's a combination of the two, but it's not good. So if you know Jim Schwartz has been blitzing a lot more this season than we've become accustomed to, and I think he might see that you know the pass protection skills or lack thereof of Dalvin Cook and might be encouraged to you know fire off some blitzes to see if, you know what he can do with pass protection. So flipping it around, Eagles offense versus Vikings defense. How do the Eagles attack this defense? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I Same. mean, the one guy who's killed them in the past is, is Zach Ertz. So the last two games against them, he's uh, he was targeted, if I recall, 19 times. And he had 18 catches on those 19 targets. Hmm. In your analysis, would you say that that's good? Let me add that up here. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, we saw what he did to uh, Harrison Smith. He snatched the, his soul. In the NFC Championship game. And then even last year in the loss that they had to them, he was really one of the few things that was working for them offensively. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to go back to him again. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be matched up against uh, Xavier Rhodes all day. They're, um, they're going to – they're gonna, I mean, as they always do, they're going to have Xavier Rhodes follow Alshon Jeffrey. And that, that even goes back to the days when Jeffrey played for the Bears. They saw a ton of Xavier Rhodes. So that's going to be the, uh, the matchup there. And then on the other side, again – <laughs> you're relying on Aguilar to give you something. Oh, which, I believe uh, in him. I think he can do it. Why not? <laughs> so I think it's going to be, uh, uh. they're going to rely heavily on those two tight end sets. I think they're going to want to try to neutralize uh, Griffin and Hunter on the outside with play action and, you know, get that running game heavily involved. But, uh, and, you know, they're stingy against the run too. They, they, I think it's, they, they've given up 3.6 yards per carry so far this year. And just, Historically speaking, they've always been good against the run. So, you know, to say like you, you want to be able to run the ball against them is, you know, easier said than done. But, um, you know, against that pass rush, you want to kind of keep them honest. At some point, you're going to have to, you know, and th- I do think they're going to throw the ball a lot, but I think they'll move the pocket and do a lot of those type things. But against, uh, you know, those two edge rushers, you don't want to be just dropping back every, every <laughs> on every down and, and, you know, hope and because because you you really do run the risk of of having having some you know big play by, by those two guys. They have eighty five sacks combined since uh, Hunter entered the league in twenty fifteen. So you're looking at like four se- four full seasons plus you know four or five games this year, and they like eighty five sacks combined is is a huge number. They they have the number two run defense in terms of DVOA. Yeah, so you look at that, uh, pretty good. And I guess I think back to, you know, the Eagles handled Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith pretty well uh, in Green Bay. Now, 
Now, part of that is they could also run the ball because the Packers do not have a very good run defense. Right. Um, so that's kind of a big difference here. They're going to have to pass more than they did against the Packers, one would presume, uh, in this game. So, yeah, it's looking tough. Um, it is not an easy situation, I feel like, this week. It's a really good roster that they have. Mm-hmm. The, the quarterback aside, I mean, it's just a re- they, it's a really good team. Except for the and their offensive line is terrible, as we mentioned. But the, their defense is very good. Their skill players are very good. And just the, uh, the quarterback is very shaky, and their offensive line has really kind of prohibited them from making any real noise in the playoffs. So we'll take our final break here before going into our final segment, NFL picks against the spread. Here we will be back after this. Back after this. We're back here on BGN Radio, episode number 84. Brendan Lee Gowden, Jimmy Kemsky here with you to make our NFL picks against the spread. Uh, I don't know if Mike Francesa will be joining us this week. We'll see. as yet to be determined. These lines come to you from DraftKings Sportsbook. Not a sponsor, just a partner of SB Nation. So I figured I'd use those lines that are posted starting the NFC East, as we always do, because that's what we usually do here. And Jimmy, the Giants are on the road for Thursday Night Football to play the New England Patriots. Patriots are 17-point favorites. Who you got? That's the biggest spread the Giants have ever... That, that It's the biggest uh, the Giants have ever been underdogs. Wow. Ever. 17 points. Ever. And what it makes think? sense, I guess. I think they got the number right on that. <laughs> yeah. I think Vegas uh, did a good job coming up with 17. I don't know which way to go on that one, but... No if, Saquon, no Evan Ingram. I think Sterling Shepard might be out. Someone, there's another, like, there. He got concussed, and he's going to be out a while. I think okay. I saw that from. They do have Golden Tate, though, so, I mean, that's good. Well, yes, so <laughs> so they'll go off for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with all those injuries, uh, even still, 17, it's a big number. It's a big number. It's a big number. I mean, 17, <laughs> 17 is hard to cover. It's, it's just a hard number to cover in the NFL. It's hard to do. I don't care if you're playing in, in New England or you're playing in New York. It's a big number. 17 is a big number. I don't know. It's a big number. <laughs> uh, I If I have to pick one, I'll go Pats. Same. Thursday night. And they cheat. So and they that cheat. always helps. That, that gives them a big advantage. Next team. Now, oh, this is an interesting game in the sense I, lo- I of, love this game. I love this game. In the sense of the, the number one pick is yeah, at stake here. Yes. Uh, before we get into the game a little bit, I want to talk about Jay Gruden getting fired. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's too bad for him. Well, no, I think it's good no, for him. No, congratulations to Jay I Gruden. I mean, it's too bad for him in the sense of, like, he didn't deserve to be fired. Right. Uh, he, like, that's not, it's not like Jay Gruden was holding them back. It is great for him in the sense of he is now free from that organization and uh, would not mind him as Eagles offensive coordinator. I truly believe that's a, a, a like it's a good it's good for him to get fired. It's good for him. I truly believe that. Yes. Like I know like that's kind of like a joke to make, I guess, but I I really believe that he's better off not being the head coach of that team anymore. No, I think that's pretty accurate. So he could land a number of different places. Really, I guess you know the immediate speculation would be he's going to join his brother. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. And then you have Washington. Has lost a lot of, you know, talented coaches over the years that were formerly under him. McVeigh, McVeigh, and you know they he could, he could he could you know land anywhere with any number of those guys too. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't think he's going to land in Philly, but I do think um, what you're saying does make sense. So Washington three and a half favorites 
in yes. Miami. Dolphins are coming off their bye. Who you got? I love, love Washington in this game. Really? Yes. Let's because they're because they're stupid. Because they're just so <laughs> dumb. The the Dolphins have have realized let's lose as many games as possible and, and have our choice of you know the number one quarterback in this draft, whoever that may be. Okay, so that's the smart thing to do, and I think they're going to be in full on tank mode in this game. You know, the players will try hard, and the coach will try to win the game. Blah 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 blah. They're going to do something to make sure that they lose this game. I think. Whereas Washington is. You know they're gonna be all they're gonna be all in to win this game, so they can go see. It was Jay Gruden's fault. See, told you we fire him and we lose a game, and then we we fire him and then we win a game. That happens too, right? Where like you see these bad teams fire a coach and then like they win that week because like I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I guess like players get a little bit on edge or whatever. Kind of right, they feel like their jobs are on the line. Yeah, yeah, and and you know Washington has not looked motivated. Um, they've been bad, but they've also like not been playing with a ton of like gusto. Yes. So uh, they did week one for for a half. For they did for a half, um, <laughs> and then it was downhill from there. So you've got Washington. I, I love Washington in this game. I love. Okay. Them. I think you kind of talk. I think they them. win by two touchdowns. Wow. Um, Case Keenum, I guess, will be starting. I saw this week. Oh, um, even more reason to love Washington in this game. Right. So Washington, <laughs> and I'll take them too. Three and a half. Because I, th- I think that's a good point. I think the Dolphins will be smart about trying to lose. Because I mean, that's a, that's a big thing at stake. You have to you have to lose this game if you're the Washington Dolphins. should just be playing Dwayne Haskins, seeing what he has, and if you evaluate him for a year, you're going to have a really high pick, and it's a loaded quarterback draft. Find out right now if he can play, and if he can't, then you just draft another one. Yeah, they like, should like Arizona did last year. But they won't because they're. Dumb. I mean, Arizona is a bad model. Is <laughs> a bad franchise to point to as as a model of what to do. But I think they did get that right in realizing quickly that Josh Rosen wasn't the answer, and they drafted Kyle, uh, Kyler Murray. So if you have uh, a situation here in Washington where you, what are you, you're just not going to play him, and you're going to tie your hopes to him, and you you wind up with a num- with you know a top five pick and a, a new really coach. good quarterback that that you have a chance to build around, and you just you don't pick them because you don't know what you have in Haskins. And there's going to be a new coach anyway. They're idiots. Like It's just such a dumb, it's just a dumb franchise through and through. Cowboys, speaking of dumb franchise, well, they've been smarter recently, but uh, the Cowboys. Yes. Minus seven at the Jets this week. I'm blown away at this line. It's only Mm. seven. Is it a little fishy? Yeah, I don't know what it, well, you know what it is. I guess, obviously, Darnold. Are you saying Vegas is wrong? No, I don't know. See, Darnold is Darnold being back is one thing, but the thing that I think they're looking at is they probably think that they're going to be without both of their offensive tackles. Tyron Smith and Leal Collins. And those two guys are getting eaten up a little bit. The the two guys that filled in. The for backups, them. yeah. Yeah, we're getting Cameron eaten up. Cameron Fleming I, I, and who else? Oh, I, I forget know. his name. On the Arrowlads depth chart, it was, they, they didn't. So the guy that they have is the backup right tackle. It wasn't him. It was, it was I'll just look it up real quick. Man, I've been picking the Cowboys every week because, you know, they're just so good. And every time I pick them, uh, it hasn't worked out. But why am I going to lose the faith now? Uh, you know, <laughs> right. these are my Cowboys. I believe Brandon that. Knight, can... I think his name was. Okay. Yeah. Undrafted free agent this year. You know, my jinx bit aside, uh, I do think the Jets, I don't know, I feel like they can make this a little bit interesting. Um, Darnold being back, being a little bit of juice. Now, there's there's such a bad team. The offensive line is terrible. I mean, they're, they're going to lose this game for sure. The Cowboys are definitely going to win this game. But 
don't know. If this if this line was at like Cowboys minus 16, I mean, I'm taking the points with the Jets. It's not. It's minus seven. No, but. I would take the Cowboys minus seven. But okay. the, but you're, the word you used, fishy, there it is. Even, even with both tackles out and even with Darnold back, that Jets team was so pathetic. Last, well, I don't. I didn't look at this yet. But did, have you have you checked to see if CJ Mosley is expected back or not? Uh, I haven't seen. I knew because um, that helps too if he's back. Yeah. But man, that Jets team was just so bad. Like, Offensively, their, their offensive line is like the worst I've seen so far this year. Yeah. It might be the worst offensive line in the league. And didn't some guys get hurt during the game too? <laughs> yeah, probably. So you're taking Cowboys. Derek Barnett diving at their knees and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, jeez. Yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys minus seven. I don't. I don't care if it's. I mean, it's just sitting there. I don't fishy or not. I'll. I'll bite. I'll take it. Cowboys minus seven. Screw it. For the sake of this, I'll take. Oh no, it goes against my bit to take the, the other <laughs> team. Um. Well, I'll, well, here's what I'll say. The Cowboys are definitely going to win. Bit. It goes against my bit. The Cowboys are definitely going to win this game. They won't cover, but they You'll will take the win seven? this game. Okay. I'll take the seven. Last game I have in here are not. Hold on, but before we move past the Cowboys, okay, let's look ahead quickly. Eagles Cowboys next week. Yes. Let's. What's what's your prediction on the line on that? All right, so I'm gonna say, I'll, I'll just say it's Cowboys minus three. I'm gonna say it's Cowboys minus one and a half. Oh wow! I don't know. It kind of depends what happens this week, obviously. But yeah, but I think this week is going to. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, so our final game here, the non-NFC scheme, a big NFC matchup, NFC North matchup on Monday Night Football. It is the Lions coming off their bye to play the Green Bay Packers in at Lambeau Field. Uh, Packers are four and a half favorites. Packers have been a big storyline for the Eagles this year. Yeah. And obviously they played them Thursday night on the road and then the next week. By the way, the Packers are great for Eagles fans. Aaron Rodgers specifically, yeah. Yes. I mean, they he, they just beat NFC East teams like crazy in the playoffs. Yeah. They beat they beat the Cowboys, you know, in the first round. 2016 regular season. Yeah. When they had the one seed. They beat the Giants the week before that. Yes. They beat Washington, I believe, in the year before that. 2015, yeah, Chip's final year. They beat the Cowboys the other year. When they had yes, Des the dropped a game. Yes, right. Oh no, no, no. The Cowboys didn't have the one seed in that that year because that was no, in Green yeah, Bay. In Green Bay, but Des dropped it. Yeah, big helps to the <laughs> to any Eagles fans that uh, that you know have friends of you know that 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 like other NFC te- East teams for trash talking purposes. Minus the Giants Super Bowl runs. Yes, correct. Yes, yeah. When Tom when Tom Coughlin was uh, like he looked like an eggplant. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lions Packers Packers are minus four, four and, and a half. half in this game. Who you got? I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh I trust Aaron Rodgers. Minus the four and a half? Yeah, more than I do Matt Patricia. I know the I know the Lions look good against the the Chiefs. Uh so maybe they're a little bit better than I'm giving him credit for, but I like the Packers in this spot more. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of remember the 2016 season when the Eagles had the early bye. Like, they started off well. Week four, and, yeah. And then they got the early bye, and then they just never had the same momentum. Yeah. Coming off that bye. I think that might they, be the case here. They played the Lions. The Lions. <laughs> I think I think that's what the Lions are going to experience here. I think they kind of had that unlikely beginning to the season, and they had some nice momentum. Even even with, like, you know, they're, they, they had a loss heading into their bye, mm-hmm. but it was a, if you they want to call it a moral victory loss, it's to the Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, they could have won that game. 
And they lost because they had that weird play with yeah, the fumble. Yeah, the fumble at the goal line. It was a, you know, a, a, a turnaround of 14 points. Yeah. So they, they really should have won that game. They had another red zone fumble, too, that kind of took off points off the board. Anyway, I think the bye screwed them. I think the placement of the bye screwed them. Okay. So you're taking I'm, Packers Yeah, the I think the I think the Packers are just better. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't like the Packers heading into this season either, but they've sold me a little bit. Ultimately, Rodgers is just so good. And then, you know, if Jones can go off like he did against the Cowboys, like... And I don't know if Devontae Adams is going to be back this week. They won without him last week, and if they have him, I mean, all the more reason to to like the Packers in this game. Rodgers um, is so good. I mean, Adams obviously helps a lot if he's there, but he's so good that he can win with lesser players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings us to our Eagles prediction, final one here. Vikings are three-point favorites. The over-under on this game is 44. Who do you got, Jimmy? I got the Eagles. Oh, wow. To win. Why? Because I think they're going to be able to dominate dominate the interior of that Vikings offensive line. So this is like a, a Cousins multiple picks game? Or yeah, so if you look fumbles. at like if you look at the, the teams that the Vikings have struggled against so far this year, it's been against the teams that have you know been able to get their pass rush going against them. Mm-hmm. And I know that maybe not that, – that, so they lost to the Packers. The Packers got their pass rush going against them. And the Bears just dominated them up front. I know that's maybe not the best argument for this Eagles team this year. <laughs> like last year you would have gone, okay, or last year in 2017 you would have been like, well, the Eagles pass rush is going to smoke this team. I'm going to give the Eagles the benefit of the doubt in that uh, in that Jets win. I think, uh, you know, like we said earlier, you don't want to make too much of it. You want to see them do it against a, a better team. Mm-hmm. But I think... That getting ten sacks in a game, even even against a bad opponent like that, I think it does a lot for the confidence of that group. And again, I think Graham and Cox on the interior against those three stiffs are really going to get in the face of Kirk Cousins right at the middle. It's I have this this game more than any other game this year. I just have not had like a great feeling for it. I go back and forth on it. Um, it kind of comes down to Cousins for me. It's just I know in theory like he should be able to have success because. You look at the Eagles' defensive backs against these receivers. And I just don't know how they're really going to win that battle, unless, as you say, you know the defensive line can just dominate that matchup and not give Cousins a lot of time to throw. But and and I, there's a part of me too that believes, like again, Zimmer will just be dumb and try to run the ball with Dalvin Cook and their running backs like way too much, and that'll limit what Cousins can do because they won't have him throwing as much as they probably should. At the same time, like this is it's tough. They're on the road. I don't know how. Like, I don't know what this Eagles offense is going to do. I have faith in Carson Wentz. I don't have faith in in what he's working with in terms of like who he's throwing to. Uh, and I think the running game is you know it's going to be a tough matchup. So it's tough. Like I just I, I don't feel great about the Eagles offense as a whole going into this one in this specific matchup. But uh, so this is this is tough. Man, I if I if I take the Vikings, it goes everything I it goes my ent- against my entire belief system uh, of I've always been down on Kirk Cousins. So <laughs> I, it's just like how can I possibly take that? Like it goes against everything I believe in. So I guess I'm taking the Eagles. I will take them in a super close one. I will say the Eagles win this twenty four to twenty three. One more point that I'll make on the pass rush too, and you, you have look- to give a score prediction too. I will. I will. So when you look at the teams they've beaten so far this year. Throw out the week one game because weird stuff happened in that game, like right off the bat. Do you remember we were preparing for the Vikings, or I'm sorry, the, the Falcons week two? Yeah, Cousins like, passed like what, eight times in week one? Yeah, like that or game was over. And the, that game was over very quickly because the, the Falcons turned it over a couple times, like right off the bat. And the Vikings scored a couple easy touchdowns. But when you look at like the other teams, the, 
when you look at the two other teams the, the Vikings beat, they beat the Giants, who have, I mean, they have nothing in terms of a pass rush. And then they beat the Raiders, who, so a year ago, the Giants were, had the second fewest number of sacks in the NFL mm-hmm. with 30. The Raiders had the fewest sacks. Want to take a guess how many they had? Uh... Again, 31st was the Giants. 32nd was the Raiders. The Giants had 30. 30 sacks. The uh, Raiders had how many? 20. 13! Oh my gosh. One, <laughs> so not even one per game. I mean, that's a huge gap from the worst, you know, the worst pass rush in the NFL to the second worst. Good Lord. 13 sacks. So those are the two teams they beat. The teams that were 32nd and 31st in sacks a year ago. I think the Eagles will be able to get a pass rush going against them. I think, okay. they're gonna be able to, I think they're going to be able to harass Kirk Cousins. Kurt Cousins, excuse me. Kurt. Um, I, think, I think they're going to pressure him into into some bad throws, and they're going to capitalize. I can't I can't overstate how much I think that interior line stinks. So what's the score then, Jimmy? What are you giving me score wise? So I'm going to go. I'll go. Sorry, I'll go twenty seven. Eagles. Twenty seven twenty two. Wow. Okay. So let me hit you with a couple of these against the spread stats. Uh, okay. the, the Vikings are 22-10-1 as home favorites during the Mike Zimmer era, which began in 2014. That is the best cover percentage in the league during that span. Uh, the Vikings are 26-7 and straight up in those 33 games, which is the third best home winning percentage, only behind the team that lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl 52 and the Green Bay Packers. Um, and more recently... So going back to last year when Cousins became the quarterback, the Vikings are 6-2-1 and one against the spread as home favorites. It's the second best cover percentage, and they are also just 7-2 and two straight up. So if they do win, um, now th- these stats are like similar for the Packers game going back to Aaron Rodgers. So like we've seen this team you know, overcome some adversity and, and play well in a very tough spot. So I think this team is capable of doing it. But if they do, like that's going to be another huge win in terms of like, if this team can beat the Packers on the road and they can beat the Vikings on the road, like that says a lot about this team, I think. like That gives them a lot of credit. And I, again, I'll go back to what I thought heading into the season, and I think it's kind of been forgotten at some point along the line here. I think the Eagles are a very good team. Well, if they are, then they're going to beat Kirk Cousins. He doesn't <laughs> I mean, beat. We, we tend to focus on like the concerns that they have, and the, I mean, they have their share, but I think it's a, still a very good team. I think they have the better quarterback this week. And I think the, old, the, the O-line, the O-line, the Eagles, the Eagles O-line isn't getting enough credit, isn't getting as much credit as it deserves. Yeah. I mean, they're just so dominant against the Packers. All right. Any any final thoughts, Jimmy? I got none. Uh, me neither. This has been BGN Radio episode number 84. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already to see the more episodes that will be coming out this week with the Kiss and Solak show. Uh, we have the Babes on Broad, obviously, coming out later this week. They're doing a great job. Uh, we have Seamus Clancy, who joined us this week. And if you didn't listen to his new podcast from the Bleachers already, you should go check that out. That's really good. Kind of harkens back to an old podcast that used to be on BGN Radio, Once Upon a Time. Same kind of format. And I think that's about it. Uh, we will definitely be back with you next week after this Vikings game to, to go over that. Jimmy Kempsky and I here with you on BGN Radio. So until next time, take it easy. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.